Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Sculpture Life Podcast. I am your host, Stephanie Katona, health and wellness coach and the founder of Sculpture Life, an all-encompassing holistic coaching platform dedicated to sculpting you from the inside out. This podcast features experts, authors, and thought leaders ranging from all things lifestyle-related, health and wellness, relationships, and business to provide you with valuable and practical takeaways that you can implement into your own life. So let's dive into it. All right, welcome back to the Sculpture Life podcast. I am very excited to be kicking off the first episode of the year. And the topic today is one that I feel we all need to tune into. I'll be joined by Dr. Jody Larry, naturopathic doctor and the founder of Ritual. Long story short, guys, and with complete transparency, my friend invited me to one of her workshops on self-compassion over the holidays because I had been going through a bit of a rough patch and noticed that my inner critic had been harping on me lately and it was kind of seeping into different areas of my life. And so I joined the workshop and was completely blown away. There was so many nuggets of wisdom and it was really, really speaking to my soul. And so today I decided it would be great to have her on the show. And we're going to be talking all about the importance of cultivating self-compassion in every aspect of our life, how to build shame resilience so that we can create better relationships with ourselves, with others, and really begin living a wholehearted life. And so before we get started, I want to give you guys some background on Jody. Dr. Jody Larry is a Toronto-based naturopathic doctor who has been in practice since 2006. She had utilized natural health remedies since age 10 when ND cured her of health issues that Western medicine failed to remedy. She runs a private practice and group wellness program founded on her mission to give people the knowledge, tools, and support they need to become the best versions of themselves. In addition, Dr. Larry is a CEO and founder of Ritual, a wellness brand dedicated to teaching people the foundational principles of health, mind, and body. Her work is based on the fundamental belief that our health stems primarily from foods we use to fuel our bodies and the environment we foster in our minds and hearts. So it is my pleasure to welcome Jody onto the Sculpture Life podcast. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Hi. Thank you so much for that intro. Thanks so much for resonating with the work. And thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm very excited to have you on. Like I said in the intro, your workshop was really mind-blowing for me. And I felt like this is such an important conversation to have. And just why not start this you know, topic kicking off the new year and really like helping people and guiding them with, you know, why self-compassion is so important and how it really does affect all areas of our lives. So I'm so excited to have you on. So my first question to you, now that we're going to get rolling is, you know, what inspired you to dedicate your life's work to guiding others on their wellness journey and, you know, teaching others about self-compassion is a big part of your work. So can you share your story with us? So I'll talk about what led me to become a naturopath really quickly because it's an interesting story. When I was 10 and my brothers were 13 and 16, my parents took us on a trip to Europe, Israel, and Africa. And when I came home from the trip, I fell ill and I was quite sick for a long time. I missed almost a year of school my parents were very worried. They went the whole conventional route, long and the short, and naturopath cured me then. So from 10 years old, I had been like 
taking echinacea before people even knew what it was, you know, and probiotics mm. and all these things that are a lot more, a lot more mainstream now. Back then, no one really knew. And it really did change my life. So from 10 years old, I've been really utilizing naturopathic principles. Um, and so then I became a naturopath and I love what I do and teaching people how to utilize, you know, you know, lifestyle, movement, food, all mm. of things. But after about a decade of practice, I realized that there was a missing link. You know, you tell people what to do. They feel so much better. But most of them, not all, but most of them would fall back into the mm-hmm. poor habits, whether it was stress, whether it was whatever it was. And it was frustrating, right? Because you give people these tools, they feel so much better, but it wouldn't stick. And so... I just kept searching and searching, like, what is this missing link? And I became really fascinated in neuroscience and studying the brain and trying to understand how the brain um, sort of plays a part in all this. And then I discovered on my journey, uh, a, a TED Talk from Brene Brown, and it changed my life completely. This one TED Talk. I don't know if you have you ever seen Was it the, the shame one or vulnerability? She had Those were yes. like her two best TED Talks. And I think I definitely oh, did tune into both of those. Yes. Okay, perfect. So if anyone's watching and you either don't know who Brene Brown is or you're just hearing about her, go up after this podcast, YouTube her, find the TED Talk, watch it. It's 20 minutes. And why it changed my life was is the reason why I think you were so, you know, mind blown by the workshop and why other people are is because it's the same work. You know, it teaches you, or at least it taught me that what I used to judge about myself as bad or wrong, or flawed, these horrible parts about me, these emotional parts, these reactive parts, these parts that I just hated so much were my humanity. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't the only one. And other normal, professional, successful people also had these parts. And my God, there was like a language for these parts. And vocabulary and courses. And I was just, it blew my mind. Like I, I I was like, this is the missing link. This really is the missing link because people don't understand how their emotional systems are are creating the action. So totally. my goal as a naturopath is to get them to eat the salad over the cookie. Well, I got to track all the way back to the shame and the fear yeah. and, and the, and the, and the heart, the emotions, because that's really where you're getting the real change from. Right. Yeah, I mean, I can totally relate to what you're saying about, you know, as a health and wellness coach, I was a, you know, fitness coach as a trainer and I would train people for a decade. And, you know, same thing. I recognize that, you know, you can't just give people a nutrition plan and a workout. You really do need to address, you know, all the other um, pillars of health because they all, they're all intertwined and all interconnected. And, you know, even on my journey, like the reason I got into training was because I had been battling with, um, a lot of deep shame around my body and body image issues. And like, I, you know, would eat, go through these phases of eating super clean, getting super, you know, in good shape, but I didn't feel good in the, like I was destroyed. Like I was mentally my inner critic was constantly harping on me. And it was only when I started doing that deep emotional work to kind of release some of that and bring in more self-compassion was I able to actually get to a place where I felt like whole, like just mentally, physically, and emotionally, I guess. So yeah, it all makes sense. It's so important. Like it's just when you're just working with the food and the and the movement, mm-hmm. one layer of who we are, we're such multifaceted people. So you again, for some people it works, for some people it sticks for a percentage, but for a majority, exactly like you said, we need to go inside. We need to see what's happening. We need to put a lens on, but without judgment. 
Mm-hmm. And let's look inside at what's going on and, you know, why we have certain shame around body, right. whatever it is for different people. Everyone has something. And I, I think everyone's experience is different too and their makeup and their whole like, yeah, life experiences and where where they carry shame and how they carry shame and how it shows up. And so if, if someone has it around food or body, like, of course, that needs to be addressed, right? Yes. And I would say like 99.9% of women and right? men, I'm going to say women because that's who I work with, have some kind of or have had or still have shame around body, specifically body, whether it's specifically body fat, weight, mass, and or appearance, you know, in general of some kind. Well, I mean, if you just think of all the messages we've been bombarded with for ever, um, it only makes sense that we would, you know, adopt these beliefs and, you know, hold shame um, about our bodies, about food, all kinds of things, right? And so, you know, self-compassion, you're saying self-compassion is such an, a fundamental like thing to work on in order for us to thrive in all facets of our lives. Um, you know, our relationship with food, our, our relationship with our bodies, with others. So how do we really practice it? Like, how do we implement it how, uh, in practical ways, I guess? Yeah, brilliant question. So first and foremost, I wanted to find shame what it is, because for people listening, they might yeah. Like, shame or what does that really mean? Like I've heard that term or, okay, so let's start there. So shame defined, shame is an emotion similar to anger or fear or doubt and defined. It is the intensely painful feeling that I am flawed mm-hmm. and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. It's a very intense emotion, but we all feel it all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's very human. It's very primitive. It's all the feelings of not enough that we get, you're not doing enough, you're not skinny enough, you're not pretty enough, whatever it is, all those not enoughs leave you feeling shame. Shame is when we're being perfectionistic or we're comparing ourselves to others. And, you know, I would say the number one ground rule, and I think why this work resonates with so many people and is so life-changing, even just from hearing about it, is that we all have it, period, the end. Like that just Mm -hmm. like, okay, cool. So if I have it, how can I start to explore it from a lens of love? Because most people, they're like terrified by their shame. It's the part they don't show anyone. It's the part Mm -hmm. they hide. It's a part, you know, you know, like you you don't want to. Shame literally tells you you're bad and wrong and flawed and unlovable. So why would you want to show those parts? And sadly in that we end up hurting ourselves, self-sabotaging, and the the shame backfires. And what this work does is it teaches people how to start actually using shame as a way to slow down and practice because what shame needs is love. Yeah, no, that resonates so much. And I think, I mean, it makes sense. The more that you push and repress shame, the more it's going to come out in really big ways that are, you know, maybe self-destructive, self-sabotaging behaviors. And so... Compulsion, anorexia. Pushing away people. uh, Oh, yeah. Relationships. Oh, shame. That was a big one for me. I mean, we yeah, like in the... relate. I mean, I don't mind sharing on the podcast because... I'm open, but like, yeah, like with the relationship stuff, for sure. That was one thing I noticed it would really come up and I would do these self-sabotaging crazy things and, you know, push people away. And that had been a really big pattern of mine for a very long time. Yeah. Um, 
So and that's be- a shame based pattern, which again, you'll learn because you're going to take the course and yes, and I'm excited. Yeah. And you'll be able to share with even in your podcast, like what you're learning and how it's applying because it's so human. And we learn that shame makes us do that because again, when you you're in an emotion that's literally telling you, you are unlovable. Well then of course, yeah, you're going to yeah. push people away because you're literally telling yourself, well, you're unlovable. They're going to leave anyways. You might as well get the head start. Yeah. And what I've recognized is that, okay, you can be aware of shame because, you know, I've worked at it in therapy and, you know, I'm, I'm aware of it. But if you don't work with it on a consistent basis, it can really, it it's so um, powerful and it can take such a hold of you if you're not constantly working with it. And that was the recognition I had when I came to your workshop and I was talking to my friend about, oh, I don't know, these like old parts of me keep coming up and, you know, and I recognized because I wasn't really working with them. It's kind of like, I guess it's kind of like brushing your teeth. You need to be constantly working with shame and putting in tools and practices to make sure that you're, you know, I guess dealing with it and loving it, like you said. Yeah. So there's two things I want to share that I'm like, yes, hundred percent what you're mm-hmm. saying is so important. So true. Mm-hmm. There's two stories I want to share. So one is the way I think about it, you're in fitness, you, you were in fitness for a long, long time, right? Yeah. About a decade now. Decade. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if you want to build a muscle, you're constantly working on that muscle. If you're lifting weights, then you're constantly wanting to allow the person to lift 10 weights, then 15, then 20. That's how you know you're growing. That's, mm-hmm. you know, the muscle is building. You can lift stronger, longer, et cetera. Okay. But if you stop going to the gym, if you put down that weight, if you, over time, the muscle is going to go back. Correct? Totally. It's the same. Okay. It's the same thing. Shame needs love, period, the end. Shame doesn't need what most people give it, which is judgment. And what most people do is they get into cahoots with it, meaning the shame comes and it's like, oh yeah, you're horrible. You're awful. You, It's true. It's true. Believe everything. Push everyone away. Self-sabotage. You're a horrible person. Like, we get into cahoots, we become a team with our shame, and then we push everyone away. We have all these strategies. So the work is not just to recognize. To be honest with you, awareness is where the work begins, in my opinion. But then the next step is acceptance, I'm assuming? The next step is the practice, which has to be consistent and active, right? Like building a muscle. You put down the weight, you stop doing the squats, the muscle goes back to its original state. With shame, if you stop the practice, which is not necessarily picking up a weight, but the practice is self-compassion, slowing down, listening to the shame, giving it what it needs, which is love and attention. And there's something there that you need to give yourself there over and 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 over again, or the shame leads. So that's sort of how you have to see it. So what most people think is, oh, I know about my shame now. It should just go away or I should just know how to deal with it. No. Shame is never going away, ever. It is always going to be there. And the work is to, over time, it's a practice, an active one in the moment, be there with it from a place of love and attention. And over time, it's not, it's it's like you you want it, you you want to understand it. It's a, it's a way, it's a, to me now, after doing this for so long, shame is a reminder that I need to love myself. Right. It's a reminder that my, my brain is off kilter and I need practice. Yeah. So really, instead of pushing away and repressing, actually what we need to do is actually give it some love. Yes. It needs attention. Mm -hmm. It needs love. What are you trying to show me? Why why am I too tired? Am I burnt out? Am I overworked? Am I, again, you get to know your shame, like a whole course. Like I I teach three four month curriculum just on understanding your shame. Because the more we understand, not just 
what triggers it and how we feel it, but what we do with it and what we need there. That's what's really key. Mm-hmm. And think about what would someone need when they're literally in an emotion that's telling them they're unlovable. More love. Yeah. But no one can do it. It's only you for you. Right. So, And that's another rec- thing to recognize. It's we're the only ones that can actually give that to ourselves. We can't expect it from the outside world, right? You're the only one. You could even have a trainer that like, that like moves your arm for you, you know, but like you're the only one that can actually build Do the, the work. Weight, right. And it's no different. You put down the weight, the muscle goes back. I need people to start seeing it that way. You work with your shame with love. The shame has no power. You stop right. the practice. You put down the weight. Well, you lose the muscle. The shame has the power again. But the brain is a muscle. Such it's- a good way to put it. My next question ties into this. Um, You know, I want to talk about kind of the science and what goes on in the brain because you were mentioning this in the workshop and I think it's really valuable um, and important to kind of break it down for people. So, you know, when we're in that, I guess, I don't know, shame spiral or we get triggered, um, you mentioned something happens in the amygdala and then in the cortex. Can you elaborate on this and give us kind of just a breakdown of what's going on? Totally. So this is also where I find people's brains really light up and they get excited and they resonate because it's like, oh my God, she's talking to me. And I'm talking to everyone because you're human and you have a brain. This is you. Mm-hmm. But again, most of us are so judgmental of self that we can't see our humanity. And this work is all about seeing your humanity in yourself and then in other. So we have what's called an amygdala. The amygdala is the part of our brain that is triggered when we are emotional, any emotion, positive or negative. So when you are in shame, you are in your amygdala. Same thing as when you're in fear, doubt, anger, etc. And when the amygdala is turned on, there's no logic. That's what's a really key, key, key thing. Like if you're someone who listens to podcasts and write things down, write that down because you could study that, circle that, highlight that. That's key. It will take you so far when you just accept that there's no logic ever in your emotional brain. There never will be. The practice is bringing it, but there will never be logic in the emotions. So when you're there, you're all or nothing, black or white, very extreme. Um, Absolute thinking. Absolute thinking, very critical, instant gratification. So, you know, you feel disgusting. Your stomach hurts when you eat the chips. But when you're in the amygdala, you don't see the future. You want the chips. You know, and then after it's like, oh God, why? But that's why we do things despite knowing we shouldn't. When we're in amygdala, it's very instant, very impulsive. We're also very judgmental there, critical. So knowing this is so important to this process because what most people do when they're in shame or in their amygdala and any emotion is they start judging. What's Mm -hmm. wrong with you? Get your shit together. Why are you here again? You know, can't you just figure this out? Like, like, like judge, like what the fuck, you know? And what we're doing from a neuroscientific perspective is that when you judge in amygdala, that's already so judgmental and angry and, you know, you're just fueling the fueling fire, the fire literally yeah. putting like, you know, like blowing it. You need to think about it that way. And then it's just more and more and more. And then we do stupider things and then we're mad at ourselves and it's just 
the whole cycle. Literally everything you're saying, I'm like, yep, I've been there. (laughs) I mean, we all have, but like the way you're explaining it, it's just, yeah, it's just. Ah, I'm grateful. I think that's a gift that I have is that I'm able to explain it in a way that allows people to be like, that's me. That's That's, me. Yeah, that's That's me. Just fueling the fire. Because the more we see that, that's everyone. Like you have cells, you're like, she's talking to me. I'm like, I hope everyone on the podcast is feeling that because that's this work and that's why it's healing. Because then you start to see, oh, that's me. That's her. That's everyone. If I can see her in that and love her and not judge her, whoever that her is, a friend, a person Mm -hmm. out there, a client, then when I'm in that, how can I start bringing that love to myself so that I don't fuel the fire? So I actually put out the fire. And putting out the fire looks like, slow down. What do you need? There's nothing wrong with you. You are worthy. You are lovable. Really going to the core of the shame. Again, if shame is telling you that you are not worthy of something, you are not enough, you are not deserving, you, whatever, that is what shame is telling you. We have to, to tend to that when it's happening in the moment as a practice and it's Again, like the bicep curl, the more you strengthen it, the more you have it. But if you don't use it, shame takes over and shame is strong. I think that's the missing link for a lot of people or what we don't practice is taking that that pause, right? And slowing things down. Because when we're in that accelerated state, as we all know, things move, escalate very quickly and our emotions kind of just run the show. And And this this is why two things, okay? And what I want to make sure I share. So one is that this is why we need practices and rituals yes. in our day-to-day that keep us in the parasympathetic. This is why we need movement and yoga and meditation and journaling and other practices when we're not in amygdala. So we know how to get calm so we can be where we're in amygdala. So we have practices that suit us. A lot of people don't. They don't even know what I'm talking about, some of them, mm-hmm. right? Like, what's par- like, you know, calm? What's calm? <laughs> right? You know? So that's number one. Number two, it's also knowing, like I said, that sh- that shame and emotions aren't logical. So was, do you know who Alicia Keys is? Yes. Okay. Yes. So I love Alicia Keys and she's amazing on so many levels. And I just was reading her book over the holidays and it was fascinating because you think, oh, like she doesn't need to practice anymore. She's Alicia Keys. Like she for sure knows she's worthy. Well, you know what? Half her book was about shame and about how she works every single day to remind herself that she's worthy and to not dim her light and to keep putting herself out there. And it's a constant, active, daily practice. And I was like, oh my God, you're speaking my language, Alicia. This is why I love you. And it's like those books, those podcasts, those moments where we we realize we're the same. We're all the same. We're all the same. That's when you can like... And just do the work. Because if we're all the same, then I got to show myself love. So I have a chance of showing others love. Makes makes total sense to me. Yeah. yeah. Everything you're saying is just like, I'm very excited to take the course, by the way, starting awesome. next week. Yes. Awesome. Um, so now that you've mentioned all this, okay, the slowing down, we need to slow down, we need to pause, we need to give our shame love. So when you're saying implement practices and rituals, so what do these practices and rituals look like? These self-compassion practices and rituals, like if you could give, I don't know, maybe a couple examples of how to practice this. 
So again, I would say the first thing you can't practice at all if you have no awareness. So right. you need the basic awareness. You know, when am I in shame? Right? Who puts me there? Like, like we need to start there, right? If we want to work awareness. on awareness, love because, like you said, it happens so fast. We're in it. We don't even know we're gone. Like, how do we even get back when we're gone already? So that's where you have to start collecting information without judgment, right? So it's like, oh, how interesting that every time my husband looks at me in this way or makes this comment, I'm in shame. Or how interesting that my sister-in-law, you know, puts me there or my colleague or this specific client. Right. So you start collecting data. And then once you start getting more acute at knowing that you're there and what it feels like and what you think there Mm -hmm. and all the different things then you become more, again, this is like building a muscle. It's like, yeah, right. Then it's like, oh, okay, now I know I'm here. Okay. Now I can recognize I'm here. Now the next step is the practice. What do I need here? That's the self-compassion. Normally it's shame. And then you criticism, judgment, self-sabotage and everything I explained. You want to change this. So the shame's still there and what you're giving it, how you're being with it. That's the practice. Yeah. And I, I think you what you're saying there until you kind of know more that you're there, it's a thing you can label it, but then not stopping there. Like that's like, like I think most <laughs> people, they do the therapy. They're like, okay, I get it. I could like write a book about it. I'm this way, that way, but that's it. It stops there. Oh my God. Literally. I had this conversation with a friend of mine about this whole idea of intellectualizing something like, yeah, yeah, I know. Cause you, we know our narrative so well, right? Like a lot, like for me, I know, okay. Yeah. I know that happens. Like every time this happened, I'm really well aware of it and I understand why it happens, you know, but now what? So I think that's the point. That's more like where the somatic now what comes. is the practice. Now what is the practice? Okay. This is where the work begins. You stop at awareness, nothing changes because the logical mind and the emotional, sorry, the logical brain and the emotional brain, like the two different aspects, cortex, they're separate and there's no connection between them. Right. So if there's no connection between them, it doesn't matter what you know logically. Okay. Yeah. Because I, I, I'm like, why Alicia Keys is still working with her shame. Yeah. Because there's no logic in the shame. Like it's not enough to just go to therapy and just like talk about it and become aware of it. You actually need to like do the work. That would be like going to the exercise class and just watching. Right. Right. Like to me, like just going to therapy and becoming aware of your shit, excuse my language. (laughs) That's like going to the workout class and just watching every day. And like, so in your head, you're like, you could you think like you're, you're doing it. You're not fucking getting up and like <laughs> doing the hard work and doing the practice, doing the medicine, the exercise, which right. is shame, self-compassion, shame, slow down. What do you need here? Do you need to rem- me to remind you that you're okay? Do you need me to remind you that you're worthy, that you can slow down, that you're allowed, that you're, you know, you, your worth is not dependent on how you look. What do you need me to remind you of today? That's the practice of awareness. You just stay here because awareness comes from the cortex mm-hmm. and change comes from the amygdala, which is the emotions. And there's no logic there. We yeah. have to the logic. The practice is the logic and you are the only one that can do it for self. Make, makes so much sense. Yeah, it's like being like, you know, I really want to change my body. I'm really aware that I need to do <laughs> something or my eating habits. I know I should change. Totally. And I know what I need to do, but 
I don't know if I really want to do it. <laughs> so I guess it's the same. And we need to get out of our own way. So many of us, we, um, how do I say this? Like we get in our own way by trying to logicalize. It's like, but I know this. So why am I still here? But I know this and I should, shouldn't be so stressed by this anymore. And I, and I know, but I, there's no logic in the emotional. Alicia Keys should know that she can slow down. Like she's done enough. <laughs> Her emotional brain doesn't know. And so she has to work on that every day. Everyone there there's so when we really get that and it takes everybody different amounts of time mm-hmm. when, when personally, when I really got that, it, it, I could exhale and I practiced, I just, the practice became life because I really knew that it was never going away. And the more I tended to it and the more I practiced, the stronger I was going to get. And the more I would not care about wanting it to go away. Did you have like an epiphany or a breaking point where you're like, hey, I really need to do this work? And was there like a moment in time where something just came? I mean, if you might, if you don't mind sharing. Yeah. I mean, there's been so many things on my journey. I'm 40. I feel like I'm older. How old are you? Can I ask? 33. 33. Okay. So I'm about a decade older than you. Not too old, too much older. Um, but I've been a seeker, you know, since I was probably in my teens and mm-hmm. on a spiritual journey and done so many different therapies and courses and all the things. I would say the Brene work was so transformative specifically because of the way it taught me to work with my humanity, Mm -hmm. which gives you a level of love and acceptance for self that no other work can give you because you're, you're, you're working with something that's just the same as everyone else. Right. So yes, that was pivotal. Um, I've had mentors with specific moments that have really, you know, been pivotal for me. Um, Lots of pivotal things on the way, but really what's been the breakthrough with this, with self-compassion is A, realizing that it's never going away, B, realizing that it's a practice that's active, Mm -hmm. and C, realizing it that nobody can do this for me. Nobody. Like, I'm the only one. And when I'm in shame, my husband could be telling me how much he loves me. My kids could be, I could be looking at all my, you know, Diplomas on the wall. It doesn't matter. Right. Shame is illogical. When I'm there, I'm telling myself I'm horrible and bad and wrong. And the only person that can go in and help me through is me. And when we as humans realize that and we create a practice around that, oh, we save everything. Our health, our relationships, everything. Shame, yeah. shame, shame is toxic. Yeah, if it's not dealt with properly, right? And we're not aware of it. And you know what you're saying, it's um It really makes sense. You know, this word gets tossed around a lot, like have self-compassion, self-love, but it's like, what does that look like? And the way you've explained, you've really broken it down for us in such a beautiful way. And the way you've explained it, I think will will resonate with me a lot. Because, you know, I don't know. I just, when I was thinking about, you know, I've I've worked with self-compassion and therapy and I've, I've, you know, meditation and stuff, but, you know, the way you've explained it, I'm like, this makes sense in how it really affects every aspect of our lives, truly, if we don't cultivate it. And when you still talk about relationships, like from what I've learned and read, your primary relationships is where your your shame is triggered the most. And when you get into your relationship, that is where you, you are really, the shame comes up. In your romantic relationships, you mean? Yes. Yes. And it's from like the shame from your childhood and yeah, although it really comes to knock you out. So it's like, oh yeah, we want to have relationships that work. 
shame is going to be a part of it. Working with your own shame is going to be a part of it because again, shame's the barrier. So love totally. tells you you're not lovable. So if you don't have a practice to shift that through, then you're coming at relationships from a place of I'm not lovable. Yeah. Right. No, totally. And I, what, yeah, I mean, definitely came up for me. I had a couple of wake up calls and I was like, oh, you know, cause we always think, oh, I've done so much work. I've done so much healing work. And it's like, you know, I've, I've opened myself up to a relationship that's very loving. But if you're not constantly working with, like you said, your shame, it's still going to seep out in some ways. So, (laughs) (laughs) so yes. All right. Now, my last question for you is, you know, so you offer, I know that you're offering the, you know, Bernie Brown program, which I'm taking starting next week. What are some of the other programs, if you want to share some of the other programs and services that you offer that can benefit people? Just want our listeners to kind of um, have some options if they want to, you know. So um, I am a naturopathic doctor. That's what I do by trade. So I can always obviously work one-on-one with people um, in the sphere of naturopathic medicine. I then run Ritual, which stands for the Rituals of Wellness. And in that sort of realm, there is, I do a morning study course um, and weekly coaching. And I teach around food and movement and have different courses sort of there. And then the Brene Groups, which are, is more the inner work, which then leads to like an alumni mastermind. And I work with women sort of at a higher level um, on that work. So, awesome. And yeah. then where they can reach you, is your, what's your Instagram handle and your Instagram website? Dr. Jody Larry, D-R-J-O-D-I-L-A-R-R-Y. And my website is Jody Larry, N-D, and like nature, D like doctor.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me. That was such a powerful yeah. episode. So much. I'm so glad. And I'm sure our listeners got so much from this episode. You broke it down in such a, your metaphors and, you know, very practical. Um, thank you so much. And I'll see you next week at the course. Okay. Thank um, you so much. And, <laughs> and then once again, you are listening to the Sculpture Life podcast. If you loved this episode, share it with a friend, coworker, or family member. And I'll see you next week with our next guest. Uh-huh.